0: Welcome friends, you are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at FCCFM.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Those of you that are in the room, our friends joining us online and those that will listen on the radio this week. It's a pleasure to share God's word with you this morning. I know God has something for you today. Been in this series called Made for More. We're walking through the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Matt kicked us off by talking about love. Week two, we talked about joy. Last week, we talked about peace, being a people of peace. And I just want to read through those few verses again there in Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22, as we kick off this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and today we are talking about patience. Keeping in step with the Spirit via patience. Patience is something, (laughs) Hoping or praying for patience makes me impatient. Anybody else? Pastor Matt made it very clear to me that he was not preaching about patience. Every couple of days he would check in. How's your sermon coming? I said, it's coming along. I got plenty of stuff. I had to go out of town this week. He reminded me again, you are preaching Sunday on patience. Yes, I am. So we're here. And I want to say this. I'm not sharing this message with you as someone that has mastered Patience. Uh, If you want to verify that, you can ask my wife. I've got plenty of room for growth in this area, among other areas. So we're all in this process together of trying to grow. But again, the fruit of the Spirit are not just something that we achieve. They are a byproduct of our relationship with Jesus. But the thing about patience, it's one of the fruits that I believe is hard to keep a hold on. You all know what I'm talking about. When you feel patient, you feel patient. And then when you don't, you don't. It's hard to get back there. (laughs) Once it's gone, it's hard to get back there, especially in the moment. But this is something that God wants to produce in us and through us, even though at times it can be tough for us to hold on to. I wanna give you a glimpse of a few opportunities that I was blessed with to walk in patience over the last couple of weeks. And I'm sure some of you have a list. Some of you may have had an opportunity this morning to experience patience on the way to church. Some of the days I passed the test, some of the days I failed miserably, and some of the days the jury's still out on. But there was one particular day a couple weeks ago that was a doozy. I had the kid from our house with me all day long when uh, school first let out. And so on top of working, I'm on child keeping alive duty. And I had to start the day by going to pick up my mom's dog, who was at a friend of ours house, and take the dog to the groomer. So I did that. I went to pick the dog up. I got up earlier because I had to go pick up the dog earlier to get the dog to the groomer, and when I got to the groomer, it turns out that the groomer was not there because I was given the incorrect information, the incorrect time, and the manager informed me that I would have to come back. I love going to the groomer twice, so we'll do that. So we left. So the next task was, my mom was in the hospital, she still is, and uh, thank you for praying for her. Many of you have been asking about her. but At the time, several weeks ago, she thought she was going to a rehab for physical therapy, and so my mom needed lots of things. And so my mom, struggling to hear and see in the hospital, highly medicated and struggling with pain, is shopping in her apartment with me while I'm FaceTiming her. And if you can imagine, that really struggled. You know, at one point I realized how unsuccessful I was at this thing when she was asking for green pants that weren't on the, on the couch. Like, grab the green pants, there are no green pants. There are no green pants. And so I'm frustrated, (laughs) the kid in our house is with me, the dog is with me, not supposed to be with me, so I walk out of her apartment sweaty like Santa Claus with masks, bags full of junk to take to the hospital. So we take the dog back to the groomer for the second time because I wanted to do that and then we get to the hospital and the hospital would not let me bring him with me and would not let me take her stuff to her room because of his age. And uh, so I was frustrated because that day I got to go to the hospital twice. And I don't know if I've mentioned this, doing things twice the same day is not my favorite thing. And this is not my second opportunity at my second location for a different reason to do that. So I <laughs> say, so God, I see you, I'm preaching on patience. And this is a test and I'm failing it. So I'm taking notes. You know, me and my wife, we were talking, and I joked with her the other day because on the same day, Uh, As I was driving down 31, right when you get off Palm Beach, you go to our house. The only time the drawbridge goes up is when I'm running behind. And I'm not a conspiracy conspiracy theorist, but they know. I don't know how they know. They know because the day I'm not stressed, it never goes up. The day I don't mind watching the sunset, it's never going up on the sunset or the sunrise. It's always when I'm stressed and running behind. So that's a forced patience check. Have you ever tried to call a company and actually speak to a human? Force. Patience, check. The last few weeks, I have had this gift. I found the right gas pump where the handle won't lock into place. So on top of the gas pump, stealing my lunch money, uh, I'm working on my grip strength. And again, force, patience, check. And this is my favorite of all. Our friend Brittany and Aaron from our church, she's also a teacher at our at Connection Point. Um, she was generous to watch my mom's dog for the last couple of weeks. And so when I first took Molly, my mom's dog, over to her house, um, I'm just talking to her about Molly's quirks and how awesome of a dog she is and how she never uses the bathroom in the house. And as we're having this conversation, Molly strolls past me and Brittany into the center of the living room and proceeds to drop it like it's hot and take a dump on Brittany's carpet. Brittany's white carpet. (laughs) Well, it was white. Patience check. And Brittany, I so appreciate her grace. She told me she only did that one other time. But a week later, her son came over to the office and he said, yeah, Molly's great. We love playing with her and hanging out. She's only used the bathroom on my bedroom carpet 10 or 12 times. (laughs) Patience, check. Love, joy, peace. Patience. Real funny, Matt Summers, making me preach this message. Real funny, Jesus. Real funny, Molly. Patience. We all need more of it. It's something we should produce as followers of Jesus. But even in my laughing to keep from crying, you guys know what I'm talking about? In that moment on that particular day when we were leaving the hospital, God gave me a tangible moment with him to understand the significance of the fruit of the Spirit and specifically patience. You know, the eight-year-old in our house, he will ask a lot of questions and they're directly related to something he has seen or heard from somebody else. So I will often get upset or defensive on his behalf because I care about him and people should be more intentional about the things they do and say around him. And it's really easy for me to feel that way about other people that need to change their ways. But as we're walking back to the car, I could tell I'm carrying on my Santa bags, frustrated that I shouldn't have been, I was supposed to drop them off inside. And when I get back, um, you know, this is the day that I had to take my mom's dog to the groomer twice. I got to go to the hospital twice. I got the FaceTime shop for, with my mom who couldn't see her here from the hospital for all of her stuff. We get back to the car and now I'm growing impatient because he clearly is upset about something and I don't have time for this. And so I was like, okay, you need to be a, a like an adult and grown up and be mature right now. And I'm like, what's wrong, buddy? And, uh, I'm like, I don't understand why you could be upset. You got the day off, you got more time on your tablet. He wasn't breakfast hungry at the house, but he was hungry when we uh, passed his favorite restaurant, so he got breakfast out that he typically wouldn't get. And so I'm like, why are you upset? And he said, I don't know why. He said, but a lot of people are making your life hard today. You couldn't take my mom's her stuff because I'm with you. And he said, because you're frustrated, I'm frustrated. God just punched me in the gut. Because I was frustrated, he was frustrated because I was impatient. He was growing impatient, even though it had nothing to do with him. And without realizing it, the emotional baggage and the weight that I was carrying, not including the physical bags, like emotionally, I was putting that weight on him. My impatience was becoming his impatience. And it wasn't intentional, but I thank God that he helped me to realize it in the moment. So I told him, listen, man, this is not your fault. The hospital has rules. And I may seem frustrated, but you know how you have to take tests at school that you don't like? This is a test, and it's God's fault. And he was like, really? I said, yeah, I'm going through a test, and this is all God's fault. And he said, how are you doing? I said, I am failing so bad. I said, but I'm preaching about patience and the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you for helping me see how important this is. Our big idea for today, the fruit of the Spirit in your life is not just about you. Choosing to remain patient is not just for you. Philippians 2, we're going to begin in verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any calming sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. But it's their fault I'm impatient, right? It's their fault. In humility, value others above yourselves, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Why? Because your life is not just about you. Neither is mine. Choosing to remain patient is not just for you or I. As I was praying about what the Lord wanted me to share today, I was trying to wrap my mind around some ways that God has helped me be more patient or produce more patience or maybe just hold on to my patience. So as I was considering these things, I know God, you know, he always works by helping us apply things in a spiritual way, but he does so in a practical way too, You know Genesis 127 reminds us that God, a spiritual being, created mankind, physical, emotional, spiritual beings in his own image. So there are plenty of things that we could add to this list, but there are three things that God's word speaks to that can help us be more patient or produce more patience or hold on to patience since the whole patience thing is not just about or for us. If you're taking notes this morning, number one, stop. full sentence. Stop. Pause. Be still. Refrain. Whatever word you prefer, because most things that we do when we lose our patience that cause damage could have been avoided had we just stopped for a minute to breathe. We're hardly ever fruitful or helpful when we are impatient in the moment, in Psalm 23, in verse two, we see that God makes us lie down in green pastures. And my first response to that, God was like, hey, you need to lie down in the grass. I'm like, God, I got stuff to do. Like, the grass will be there tomorrow. I'll come back to the grass. But if you keep reading Psalm 23, in verse three, it says he refreshes our soul. But your soul does not get refreshed if you just keep going and stay in impatience. We don't get refreshed in the heat of the moment when we're not just letting go of patience, but avoiding it altogether. Psalm 46, beginning in verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Now he could have said, I am God, you need to be still. He didn't. He said, stop. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Now the psalmist, when he penned this, text here. In verse 10, he starts with be still, but he ends it the same way. The word selah. Now, depending on what version of the Bible that you are or translation that you're reading, it may not have this word, but this word was in the original text and it's typically written off to the side of it. And we see it in a couple other places in the book of Psalms. The reason why it's there is because we're not human doings, we're human beings. And the word selah in Psalms, it's a note for a pause or a rest in the poem or in the music. And sometimes we need to pause and let Jesus help us learn how to breathe again. Sometimes we need to be still, slow down, because God is God, and clearly we are not. And even reading that text, be still and know that I am God. At the end, he's God, he's this big. Oh man, I feel so much better knowing who God is in my life. Sometimes we need to stop a pause or a rest. Just a caution with this, If you don't take time to stop in the heat of the moment when you're growing impatient, it might cost you more than those few seconds would have cost you. It might cost you much more. Years ago, in a previous life, when I was walking through a crazy season of loss, I walked through several months where I started having these debilitating anxiety attacks. Now I struggle with anxiety already, but I'd never had an anxiety attack that would shut me down, like to the point where I literally couldn't catch my breath. And I remember the first one that I had, I was working a part-time job while I was still pastoring my church plant. And I was out on break, sitting in my car, and I started to have this anxiety attack. I couldn't breathe. I'm sweating. And like, literally, things are going dark. I I, At the moment, actually thought I was dying. Couldn't control it. My heart's beating out of my chest. And a couple weeks prior to that, a friend of mine had spoken these words into my life. And in that moment, God brought them back to memory. Jimmy, keep breathing. And I was trying to gasp for air, but really I needed to breathe. I needed to exhale and inhale, and I stopped doing that. But those two words God used in that moment so many times over my life where God's helped me to stop, to help me catch my breath. My counselor at the time that I was seeing during that season reminded me that no healing in our life happens without intentional steps. And when I hear the term intentional steps, I'm thinking, keep going, like we're going to keep stepping, we're going to keep going. One of the steps was to stop. Catch your breath. That was actually a step. It was an intentional step that I've struggled with. But sometimes it's necessary. James 5, 7, this is awesome. It starts out in the the worst way to help somebody be patient. The first two words, it says be patient. Like if somebody's not patient and then you say be patient, that doesn't help, right? That's like telling somebody to calm down when they're frustrated. Like that doesn't, like that turns up the fire, right? That's how it starts. Be patient. Be patient. Then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. I don't want to wait that long, right? Sometimes the seasons of patience is longer than we want it to be. Patience is something we need, something we should produce. But in order to hold on to it, sometimes we need to take a break, we need to pause, we need to stop, and just be okay with stopping and breathe. And let God work in the middle of our situation. Number two, from the pause, from the stop, before you hit play again, we need to pray first. Before you throw punch somebody, pray first. Before you write that email to your boss, pray first. Before you respond to your kids or your spouse that are driving you crazy, pray first. Before you blow up on your friend or family member that has no respect for your boundaries, pray first. Pray first. Before you make that decision that's going to leave you with regret or buyer's remorse, pray first. Before you intentionally take that step into sin that will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay, stop and pray first. Because when you pray first, you're making room for God to move in your life, and you want him to move if it will keep you from making a costly decision in your impatience. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here we see the importance of confession, but also the power in prayer. Pray for each other. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The thing about prayer, it's not just a spiritual thing. It's just not something we should check off the list. Prayer changes things sometimes prayer changes our situation but almost all the time. If we legitimately trust God with something when we pray, it will change us in some capacity. the truth is the scripture encourages us with this with prayer all the time. First Thessalonians 5:17 says to pray without ceasing. How many less of those mistakes would have happened in impatience if we would have been praying during that time? And we see this model by Jesus, you know, I think praying all the time is beneficial, but sometimes I think the order matters if we pray before something, it actually can help us. We see this model in Jesus. He had ministered all night, and he's gonna minister all day. The next day, he's gonna be busy. But in Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And I know some of you coffee people, like, don't talk to me till I drink my coffee. I'd encourage you to have your coffee with Jesus too. If Jesus needed to go pray first, how much more should we? If he needed to spend time with his heavenly father like this, how much more should I? How much better will we respond when we get to that overwhelming or stressed out situation later in the day if we started the day off in prayer? When we're given the opportunity to test our patience, we've already prepared ourselves by spending time with the Lord. When given the opportunity to hold on to or let go of your patience, stop and catch your breath, Pray first before you go again or respond. And last but certainly not least, consider a different perspective. Consider a different perspective. Holding on to your patience is such a funny thing because, again, in that a lot of times we grow impatient. But that's why perspective is so important when it comes to remaining connected to Jesus, and the fruit of the Spirit continuing to brood, produce in our life, especially when it comes to patience. You know, because there are different seasons of our life that call for different perspectives. Just like that moment with the kid from our house. It wasn't his job to carry the weight of the day. I needed to correct that. Thankfully, by the grace of God, he helped me to do that. And the rest of the day, he was worry-free. But he could have carried that the rest of the day if I wouldn't have been able to address that in the moment. And what a shame. And I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of it. Thankfully, God helped me to see it. Difficult seasons of our life call for different perspectives. First Corinthians chapter 13, beginning of verse nine, speaks to this. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Consider a different perspective. This statement still frustrates me. I remember the first time that I heard it, and it still upsets me, but it's still true. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Some of you may come into the church doors on a Sunday. Some of you may feel out of place. You may feel like, man, I got too much garbage to walk into this church building, but if you know the garbage the person is struggling with sitting next to you, it would change your life. We are all trying to figure this thing out. Jesus is working in all of our lives. He actually told us he didn't come for the well, he came for the sick. He loves us, he takes us as we are. We don't know what we don't know. Have you ever heard this saying before? You can have your cake, but you can't eat it too. What's the point of stinking cake if you can't eat it? The perspective was, if you had a lot of cake, the truth is, is you could give some other people some cake. In the back of my head, I'm still thinking, when am I going to get mine? (laughs) I want some cake. I don't understand. What's the point of having it? Perspective. When you ch- tell your child something, but they don't think it's important, but you know it's really important, especially if the thing you're telling them is going to prevent them from hurting themselves. All the pastors from our staff during the school year will stand outside here because this street becomes like a NASCAR drifting lane, and you know kids will run across, and they, the thing is they don't have the perspective to know that cars hurt, but if you get hit by a car, cars hurt. And they're not concerned about that because all they're thinking when they're on that side of the street is they wanna get to this side of the street because something's happening over here and nothing's probably happening over here but they don't know that because they're on this side of the street. They wanna get to that side of the street but they don't know that cars hurt. So we have to help them to understand you need to stop, you need to look both ways, make sure nothing's coming before you cross the street because they don't understand that cars hurt. But as you get older, you come to understand. You don't have to be hit by a car to know that cars hurt. How often have we, because of impatience and our ability to decide for ourselves, made a decision without considering a different perspective that hurt us or hurt somebody else around us? I know I have a couple of examples of this in my life. And the thing about perspective is that it comes from position or experience. You have to have been somewhere sometimes to have a perspective, or have lost something sometimes to have a perspective. Years ago, when I was growing up, my church in Maryland, we would go in the West Virginia area. Um, there's a, a river, the Ohio Pile area, it's called the Yokogany River, and we would go every year for a white water rafting trip, and it was for families. You had to be 13 to be able to go, so when I, was th- I was so pumped to be able to go. I love the water. And the beauty thing about the way that God made my big tail is I am a highly flotational device. So I knew even if I came out of the water, I was gonna float. The thing I didn't consider on the first whitewater rafting trip is whitewater rafting is whitewater rafting because of the speed of the water, right? Because of the the way, how fast the water is moving, how high the water is, and because of the rocks. So on the first whitewater rafting trip, when I came out of the boat, I realized just like cars, rocks hurt, So it took me several years of going on this whitewater rafting trip, and honest to God, it is one of my favorite childhood things ever. Even though we would only go whitewater rafting on the river one time a year, one day, that four to six hours was one of the funnest moments of of my childhood through all the junk that we went through. But after a couple of years, I realized where I needed to sit on the six-person raft so that I didn't come out because rocks hurt. And so I remember, I was 16, I think, and one of my friends wanted to come water rafting specifically because I talked about it so much. So we get over where they're going to the, the orientation and they say, okay, get on the rafts. We're going to practice getting on the raft. We're in really shallow water. And we're going to respond to what, what we do if somebody falls out. How do we respond? Well, I get in my spot. I know where my spot is, right? Like I've had several years of experience. And my friend, who has very, very long legs, sits next to me. And I said, this is a bad spot for you. And they said, why? I said, we go through a class three or class four rapid, my big tail's gonna fall in the center of the boat, I'm gonna fall on your legs, it's gonna hurt, you're gonna be mad, I'm just telling you, you need to pick any other seat. Well, no, I'm sitting here, I I told you. So we get to the second rapid, it's a class three rapid, it's not even that intense. Uh, It was to her, but it wasn't to me. Guess what happened? My big tail fell in the center of the boat, I fell on her legs, she screamed out in pain, we have this big, you know, dramatic thing. Everybody's got to pull over because she's acting like she got shot. And we're just talking through this. And so finally, like my guide that was with me, he's like, so what's the answer? I said, she needs to move. She said, I'm not moving. I said, okay. So he's like, come on, man, you've done this before. You'll be fine. And I know this is not the truth, but I move. I humble myself in the sight of the Lord and I move my seat but I knew at some point I'm gonna go swimming. So we get about halfway through the trip and there's this thing called Schoolhouse Rock. And, and the instructions are, is to hit the rock and the guide is going to push your boat so that your boat goes down the four foot waterfall on an angle so you don't flip. Why, because the rocks hurt. So we hit, I'm sitting at the spot that's supposed to hit the thing, but the guide didn't take into the account that I'm a rhino sitting in the front of the boat. And when the guy pushed me down, the boat hit underneath of the rock and got caught for a second, and as it released, as water is pouring in the front of the boat, my big tail flies over the raft, my boat goes down the four-foot waterfall, and I am now riding down the four-foot waterfall by myself and the water. Waterfalls are beautiful, but they hurt. Now we're moving in the next, the, the hardest rapid, it's a class four to class five rapid. It's called Dimple's Rock. There's an eight-foot waterfall. It hurts a lot more than the four-foot waterfall. But there's a slide. The ramp takes the, the uh, boat's supposed to take the slide. The problem with Dimple's Rock is because of the undercut, the years of the water level changing. Every person that's ever died on the lower part of the Okoganey River has died at Dimple's Rock because they've got caught in the undercut of the rock and they can't get out. So my only option is to go over the eight foot waterfall. So they're trying to get me in a boat. So the guy jumps out of the kayak, stands on top of Dimple's Rock, and the next thing I know, I'm sitting on her legs, and the water's hitting me in my chest. There's no boats around me, and a guide boat comes up, and they keep trying to get me up. I'm like, this is not easy. I'm a fat kid, there's water hitting me in my chest. I told you guys this was a bad idea. I should've sat in the right spot. I'm still upset about the girl that wouldn't move. They finally, after like 10 minutes, I get up. I pull the ropes. Now I'm laying on top of all of our buckets of food and both guides, and we ride down the Dimples Rock, eight-foot waterfall, and the best part was when we landed. We didn't flip over but my pants are down to my knees. Now all my business is in the street. I'm not even that concerned about that. I was still mad about this girl that would not listen to my perspective. Cars hurt, rocks hurt, waterfalls hurt, and now my pride was hurt too. Reacting when you're impatient without stopping, praying, or considering a different perspective can hurt most of the time, it doesn't just hurt you. And the fruit of the Spirit, it's not just about you. Choosing to remain patient is not just for you. I mean, God is so gracious to us and sometimes he will help us avoid things just because he's God and he's good. And sometimes he'll allow us to go through things and then he'll walk alongside of us each step of the way and we're reminded in the moment we feel his presence, we're aware God, well, I know you're here. And sometimes when we ignore every single one of those signs, God will meet us on the other side and he will help us pick up the pieces when we didn't stop, breathe, ask him for direction or consider a different perspective. Which brings us to our takeaway. Consider how patient God has been with you and extend that patience and grace to someone else. Might be a family member, might be a friend, might be a coworker, might be a server at a restaurant that's having a bad day but you don't know they're having a bad day because of the jerk that was sitting in your seat before you. And they treated them bad. It's important to be mindful of your patience because it impacts others. And maybe the person that needs grace or patience has had a worse day than you. And maybe because you extend grace and patience, the love of Jesus will be available to them and they will recognize that. We have no idea how other people around us are struggling. And you know that someone needs encouragement if they're breathing. We've never lived in a better season to extend the love of Jesus through grace and patience. We have never lived in a more toxic environment where we have a better opportunity to extend the love of Jesus through grace and patience. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. And this is so important, but still difficult, but still important. Consider how patient God has been with you. Every time I'm struggling with patience with somebody else, when I remember the goodness and grace of God in my life, it changes my response. Because our call is to become like him. And guess what he did for me? In my sin, he died for me. In my defiance, he gave up his life so that I could be reconciled and you could be reconciled unto him. That's what that looks like. Consider how patient God has been with you and extend that patience and grace to someone else this week because the fruit of the Spirit in our life is not just about us. and Choosing to remain patient is not just for us. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.